Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Hey, that song that, that, that we finished with, um, Revelation song, and that line in it, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your name. It made me think, what, what, is, what is the response of your heart to the name of Jesus? When someone says Jesus, when someone says Jesus' name, what does it evoke in your heart? I, I, I resonate with that song, with the line that you know, there's this awestruck wonder in my heart. But it hasn't always been like that. There was a time when I heard the name of Jesus and I thought it was some sort of religious um, figurehead or other times I thought it was a swear word. There were times when people would tell me about Jesus and I'll be like, I don't want to hear that name, I don't want to know that name, I don't want anything to do with the name of Jesus. You might be here this morning and maybe that's your experience. Maybe it's not that severe, maybe it's just an apathy. If you hear the name of Jesus, it doesn't really mean anything to you. You're kind of indifferent to the name of Jesus. Uh, maybe you hear and your, your heart is, it, it leaps with joy when you hear the name of Jesus. You know, I don't take for granted that in this one room, there may be people in very, very different places in life, very different understandings of who God is, very different uh, walks, journeys that have brought us to this place. But what I do thank God for is that He has brought us to this place. And regardless of your reason for being in the room this morning, regardless of your understanding, my prayer today is that Jesus would reveal himself to you by his spirit and that you would see him for who he really is. Or at least, at the very least, there would be a little budge in that direction in your heart. Maybe today's not the day. Our prayer would be that everyone in this room has that revelation of Jesus today, but maybe it's not. He's still building, he's still walking, he's still moving, and we trust him with our lives and our journey. So it just made me think, you know, not always, I don't always have the same response, and maybe we don't today. Perhaps you've come this morning and you've come from a, a religious background. My encouragement to you is to leave it there. Leave religion in your background. It doesn't do us any good. You haven't come to a place that celebrates religion. You've come to a place that celebrates the person of Jesus. We believe in a relationship with Jesus which changes lives. And that outworks in our lives being changed. So hopefully you get to see him this morning. And we have said already that it is resurrection. that The Sunday that we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Which was a moment in time that has changed absolutely everything for us. And I believe it has changed my life, and there's many in this room that believe it has changed their lives. And we're going to jump into a passage of Scripture this morning that um, speaks into the reality of the resurrection. So if you have a Bible with you, please open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to read big, big, big chunks of this today. If you don't have a Bible with you, they'll put it on the screens for you so you can read along with that. Someone told me, was it you, Kyle, that told me this the other day? You said that you saw that the devil has no feet? It was, yeah, it was Kyle. So I heard, I, I didn't know this, the devil has no feet. 
because he's been defeated. <laughs> he's been defeated, get it? You got it? Yeah, we get it, Scott. Yeah, yeah, we get it. Anyway, I thought it was good. It has no relevance to what I'm saying. It's just an inspired moment. Perhaps that was for someone in the room today. You needed to hear that. It's going to change your life. You can put it on your Instagram after. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. He says, Now let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. That's very interesting. Uh, Verse 3 says, I passed on to you what was most important and what was also passed on to me. And this is what he passed on, which was most important. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I have been, uh, as, sorry, last of all, As though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. So a little bit of uh, background on what is taking place here. We have an apostle named Paul who is writing a letter to some churches in the place called Corinth. And um, if you look at the nature of the letter to the Corinthians, the, the correspondence that goes back and forth. Um, he's, he's actually really trying to work on some errors that they have in their church understanding, in their theology, and in the practices that are outworking from that. And so you'll see this series of different things that Paul is talking to and uh, all different issues that are coming up in the church community. And then he comes to, toward the end of the letter and he says about this with the resurrection of Christ starts to speak about this and we can see that this has actually become a bit of an issue for those who are in the church at this point in time. We don't see that it necessarily was an issue for them that Jesus was resurrected but it it had become an issue that they didn't necessarily believe or a teaching had come into the church that the onflow from that uh, where the believers in Christ Jesus would eventually themselves be resurrected had been kind of wiped out or they were fighting with this understanding. And so we're going to read on in this, but Paul's first kind of place to point the believers at that point in time when he was correcting something was back to the Scriptures. So we read there that twice it said, just as the Scriptures said. Okay, so he says... Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. And then he was buried and raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. So in any kind of, uh, I guess, debate or Christian kind of robust conversation around theological understandings, we, just as Paul did, what the Scriptures actually say. 
Because at this point in time, different teachings had come in, different philosophies had come in. There was different understandings that were, were kind of um, permeating through the thought of the church, which was really influenced by the Greco-Roman thinking, uh, particularly with the idea of dualism where the, the flesh is actually evil and the spirit is good. And so when we die, the flesh needs to be done away with and the spirit is what lives on. And that kind of thinking has come into the church at this point in time. But Paul doesn't start with their argument or cultural understanding. He actually points them back to the scriptures. He says, as the scriptures say. Why? Because that is the authority that which we look to. So it doesn't really matter what the rest of the world or what culture tells us. The authority is the scripture. What, what, what does the Bible actually tell us? Now, this is a way that when we're trying to work through different things, different issues, different things that we see, we want to go back to what the Bible actually says. What does scripture say? It doesn't necessarily work great if you're talking to someone who doesn't believe in the authority of Scripture. But if we as Christians do believe that the Bible is the bottom line, then to go back to the Scripture is where we should start our conversation, our debate. Not just what we think, not what, what everyone else says, not what is popular culture, not even what is popular Christian culture. It's what does the Scripture say about this? And so Paul's bedrock here is he goes, the first witness, the first thing that said is what do the scriptures say? The scriptures said Jesus died, was buried, and then was raised to life. Okay, that's what scripture has said. He then adds a witness. He adds the witness of the apostles. And he says that the apostles then also saw Jesus raised. He, they saw him after he was resurrected. They saw the physical Jesus. They saw a bodily resurrection. Meaning it wasn't just a spirit. There was physical elements to his body. And we don't necessarily understand the whole, uh, what that means, what that looks like. But we do know there is evidence that Jesus had a body. He had a physical being. And so they said, we actually saw him as well. And we saw that after the resurrection, he wasn't just a spirit. He was a physical body. Okay, so this is where he's coming into, and he's trying to work with what they're understanding. I can relate to this. I had a work with Alter One, and there was this particular student, and he was struggling with the idea and the concept of how Jesus was raised from the dead. And I was, I was asking, well, like, what, what, you know, what is it particularly that you, you struggle with with that concept or that idea? And his, his framework or his understanding was uh, movies about zombies, right? So he's thinking... Jesus is some sort of zombie that's been raised from the dead. And that Jesus then is a sort of supernatural zombie. And he really struggled with this. And I, I struggle with that as well, to be honest. But his framework when he said that he was, he was raised from the dead was that, that Jesus was some sort of zombie. So I had to meet with him there and then walk backwards from that place. And that's what Paul's doing to the church here because they didn't really understand at that point what that resurrection meant. But it is has to be said that the resurrection changes everything. And Jesus' resurrection changes everything for us. Yeah? So we read on in verse 12 and it says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there will be no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we, we apostles would, be, would all be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not yet been raised, or not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope is in Christ is only for this life, this is important. If our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. Now, I know this is a little deep for Easter morning. But there is something that happens to the life of the Christian when we believe in the resurrection. We don't just believe that it is hope for this life. We also believe that it is hope for the life to come. We believe that as we trust in the resurrection of Jesus, that it has implications in this world, but it also has an onflow into the next part of our lives, next part of our, in our, uh, our eternity. And I see here that Paul is making it extremely clear to the church that the resurrection is actually very, very important. He's saying that if there is no resurrection of the dead, which is those who are in Christ later at that appointed time, then that means that Jesus himself wasn't even raised. And if that is the case, if there was no resurrection, then this is Paul's words. Our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. Here's the second thing I want to bring to us this morning. The cross wasn't enough. And don't walk out just yet. Let me explain that. The cross was completely sufficient for its purpose. The forgiveness of sin. The cross was completely and utterly sufficient for what it was. But the cross wasn't just the full plan. The cross needed the resurrection. The resurrection validated the cross. The resurrection pointed to the glory of God. Don't get stuck at the cross. We appreciate the cross of Christ. We thank God that the gospel includes the death of Jesus, as the scriptures say. But it also says that he was buried and raised to life. And that resurrection life is possible to us right now. And it will affect our eternal being. The cross is sufficient. You don't need to try and top it up. The sacrifice of Jesus was completely enough. When he said it is finished, he meant it was finished. And this, at the cross, God broke the power of sin. But in the resurrection, God broke the power of death. Because sin led to death, God had to deal with the power of death over humanity. And in the resurrection, we now have hope that death is not the end. That death it does not have the final say any longer because God broke the power of death in the resurrection. We see that. And Paul says to the church, well, if, if the resurrection isn't a thing, if you don't have the revelation even of the resurrection, then your faith is useless. 
And then he, he reiterates that later and he says, if, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of the sins. What does that mean? That if there was no resurrection, but there was a cross, we could still be guilty of the sin. It was the resurrection that validated the sacrifice of Jesus. It was the resurrection that pointed to his innocence. That showed us that he actually was blameless, spotless, without sin, without guilt. And God vindicated him in the resurrection. It was through the resurrection of Jesus that we see God's hand vindicating the Son of God. This is extremely important for us to understand. To have the, the revelation of the resurrection. Here's a quote from Henry Morris. He says, The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity. If the resurrection did not take place, then Christianity is a false religion. If it did take place, then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth. So you've got to ask yourself, do I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God? And if so, if you believe that, then everything else is absolute truth. There is historical evidence, you cannot argue with this, that Jesus, this man Jesus, walked the earth. There is physical, practical, historical evidence that Jesus walked the earth. Most major religions deal with Jesus. They have him as something that they recognize, be it the Hindus, be it uh, Muslim, uh, Islam. They recognize that Jesus, you can't deny his existence. The question is, who was he and what did he do? And this is what validates Jesus being God, is the resurrection. This is where we, we, we can lose the rest of it if we miss the resurrection. I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the empty grave. The resurrecting power of God that was at work, that brings Christ to life. And so we ask the question about the resurrection. Many of us in the room would believe that it took place. And if it took place, it changes your life. It absolutely changes your life. Here's the next thing I want to bring from us today. Just as we follow Jesus in this life, we follow Jesus into the next life. Verse 20 says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. See, so you see, just as death came into the world through one man, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. So just as we follow Jesus in this life, we follow Jesus into the next part of this life, into eternity. It says that he was the first of a great harvest of this resurrection. This is where it starts to connect to our, to our lives. 
This is where it starts to actually have practical implication and meaning to our lives. Because we can think, well, Jesus was resurrected, and that's a nice hope for some sort of thing in the future. But as we look at what happened to him and how he was resurrected and the body he had when he was resurrected, it actually gives us a little idea of what we have in store for us as believers. I don't know what your thinking is or your framework is. Do you think that when you pass away from this world that you are going to become a little spirit that floats on clouds? Is that your understanding of what the, the, the next life looks like? Like Cupid with little arrows and cute little wings. Is that, is that kind of what we think is going to happen in this next part of eternity? Because that's a similar idea to what the Corinthians were struggling with. They had cultural context and cultural mythology that was pushing them in a certain way to believe a certain thing. That's why the Bible is so important to give us an understanding. The Corinthians, could have, we could say that they had an over-realized eschatology, which really means that their eschatology was based in the here and the now. That the major benefit of Christ's death and resurrection for them was for this life, not for anything to come from it. And so even their motto, well, we'll just drink and eat and be merry because it's all about this life. But the resurrection actually opens us up to a whole new understanding that this life is not the end. When death is broken, the power of death is broken, then something else is going to happen after. And so just as we follow Jesus in this life, we follow him into the next. This, this understanding actually gave great courage to the early church. They knew that regardless of what took place in this life, that the resurrection was their hope. They knew that if, if, if they needed to be martyred for their faith, that whilst people could touch the body, they could never destroy the soul. They understood that their lives would outlive whatever the patch of time they had in this setting here. And it gave them courage. We see Thomas, who at one point has great doubt about, who Jesus, about the resurrection. I want to see it for myself. I want to you know, put my hands in, in, in the holes in his hands. I want to put my fingers there. I want, to, I want to see it. I want to understand it myself. He had doubt. He had concern. He wasn't sure. And then when Jesus reveals himself to him in the resurrection, Thomas's life changes. He goes from someone who's doubting, skeptical, questioning, to someone who gives his life for the gospel, who goes and, and becomes a martyr. He actually died preaching the gospel. What changed for him was the re resurrection, because if this is real, then it changes everything. It changes everything. We can't just live with our minds set on this side of eternity. There is great hope for the resurrection. And so to spend your life in service of Jesus, knowing that whatever takes place in this is rewarded in the next. And he speaks of a physical resurrection for the believer. Here's another quote. Hank Hangergraf, which is a pretty cool name. What happened as a result of the resurrection is unprecedented in human history. In the span of a few hundred years, 
a small band of seemingly insignificant believers succeeded in turning an entire empire upside down. As has been well said, they faced the tyrant's brandished steel, the lion's gory mane, and the fires of a thousand deaths because they were utterly convinced that they, like their master, would one day raise from the grave in glorified, resurrected bodies. This was their hope. That this life was not the end. And that the end of this life was not the end. That their faith in Jesus as their Lord and Savior was also their faith in Jesus as the one who was resurrected. And the pattern and the passage that would happen to them. That they too would be resurrected. And this is good news. Because this life sucks. Like, let's just be genuine sometimes. How's it going, brother? Yeah, good, good. God's good. He is. No, God's good, but you're not. And I'm not. And sometimes, yeah, if, if this was the pinnacle of life, oh my goodness. Are you serious? I take what he says before when he's like, um, and if our only hope of in Christ, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in the world. I heard it said once that this life is the closest to heaven that an unbeliever will come and the closest to hell that a believer will come to. There is so much more to your existence as a Christian than the 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, God bless you, 100 years, 110, you want me to keep going? We're like in an auction here, 120, 130, anyone, 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 130. Well, then those years that you get on life, there is so much more. There is so much more. There is so much more. God has so much more. You ain't living your best life now. The best life is to come. When we see the resurrection for ourselves, when we are resurrected in glory. I know this might mess with some people. It messed with the church to be put into proper understanding because it affected the way they were living. They were living carnally. They were just going crazy because this life is just the life that we've got. And we see God move and we, you know, the Corinthians, they saw the gifts of the Spirit. They saw this move of God, but they were immature. They were, they were messy. There was so much stuff happening in the church. And some of that comes back to our understanding about what we believe about what Jesus has done and the, the value that that has for this life, but also for the next. So let's read on because you may ask the exact same question that someone asked in verse 36 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? I thought that was a good question. And then I read the next verse, which says, you foolish person. <laughs> Stupid question. I told you. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good question. He says, you foolish person. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And what you sow is not the body that is to be, but a bare kernel, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he, choose, as he has chosen. 
and to each kind of seed its own body. For not all flesh is the same, but there is one kind for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one kind and the glory of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars, for the stars differ from the, the sun, the, from the sun, star differs from star in glory. I was getting a bit confused there. I need glasses. I'm 41 now. That's too close. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, which is this life, this body. But what is raised is imperishable. That's good news. My knee was sore this morning. It is sown in dishonor and it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness and it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So I'm glad you asked the same question I did. And if you want more information about this, you should read the rest of 1 Corinthians 15. Because it is difficult to understand from our mentality how this is possible. But we are promised that there is a resurrected body for every believer. And it will be glorious. And it won't be achy. It won't perish. It is imperishable. And it will be used to worship the Lord Jesus for eternity. And this is part of our hope in the resurrection. And I know that probably came this morning wanting to hear just about the event of the resurrection. But the event of the, re the resurrection is connected to the outflow of the resurrection, which is that we, are, we receive our own bodily resurrection in time. And again, there is still mystery, mystery around what exactly that looks like. When is that going to take place? But the hope is this. There is something else apart from this life. I hope that that does inspire something in us to not be afraid to give your life for Jesus. To lay your life down to follow Him. To not let go. To, to not hold on so tightly to the, the things that this world can offer you. To not get so trapped in thinking that it's all about what I can earn here. It's all about the success I can have here. It's all about the status or the privilege that I can, I can work my way up to in this life. Because at the end of the day, you take none of that. You take none of it. So why spend the most important thing that you've been given your time on building something that will not last? Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus and allow him to do what it is that he wants to in and through you. And look forward for that glorious day when we see him and we experience what He has promised to us in His Word.
look forward. Are you anticipating? Are you hopeful? That's something I had to really, really wrestle with. And I come to the point like, why do I struggle with thinking about Jesus returning? And I was like, because I've got so much stuff that I want to do. I really want to go and watch the NBA in the United States. So if anyone wants to give me a 41st birthday, brother. But it came down to, you know what, I value this, this, this side of life more than I value eternity. And until that changes, until our mindset changes, then we'll live clutching at whatever this world can give us. Relationships, whatever they can give us. Money, whatever that can give us. Power, whatever that can give us. Status, whatever that can give us. Only to find that at the end, it wasn't worth it at all. Watch what's happening in Hollywood right now. There's a move of God taking place in Hollywood. And we're seeing film stars who you think have it all. They, they, you know, they've, got, they've got the money. They've got the prestige. They've got the followers. They've got all that stuff. And there's people one by one just turning to Jesus and saying, it's not worth it. I'm empty. I'm hollow. I've got it all, all together on the outside. But inside, I'm actually dying. I'm coming to Jesus. There is a move of God taking place. And so today we celebrate the resurrection because His resurrection is our resurrection. His resurrection is the passage for our resurrection. His resurrection is the hope for our eternal life because He broke the power of death. We will one day live in eternal life with Him. Verse 54, it says, Then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through sin on the cross, death in the resurrection, through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is finished. It was completely sufficient for you, for me, for your family. The only thing left for us to do is to respond to the truth and to place our lives in His hands. To receive the gift of the cross and the resurrection for us us personally. So I'm going to pray for us this morning. If you have any other questions, concerns, comments. Concerns, comments, criticisms. uh, Just send them to... I was trying to think of an email. Just come talk to me after the service. I'm going to pray. And I wonder if we can pray together. Father, I thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit at work in us today. We thank you that you point us back to what your word says. And Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the the death that Jesus died on our behalf. We thank you that it was fully sufficient, that, that that it covers everything, every sin that we've committed, every sin from our past and even in our future. Lord, we thank you so much for that sacrifice. And Lord, today we take time to thank you for the resurrection. 
And Lord, the, the, the glorious hope that that actually gives us. Lord, that it's not just some sort of abstract concept that Jesus was raised from the dead, but there is definite purpose in it that affects the way we live and will affect our lives and our eternity. And I pray that your spirit would bring revelation to us. Because even as it says in, in 1 Corinthians, these things cannot be understood by the carnal mind. These are things that the spirit must reveal. So we pray, Lord, that we wouldn't try and figure it out with our minds, but that your spirit would bring the revelation from your word and that that would change the way we think and the way we live. I pray for anyone in the room this morning, uh, God, that is, is, is struggling, particularly feeling that um, they're contained to this life, that everything that they have set in motion in their lives is to benefit them in this life. Lord, I pray that your spirit would bring about the courage that is required to actually let go of some things and give you space to do what you want to do in their lives. Lord, as we contemplate the fact that you have broken the power of death, may we have hope in our hearts, Lord, for our brothers and sisters that have gone to be with you, that one day they will be risen, that one day they will be resurrected. And again, Lord, as we don't understand some of these things, Lord, let us be okay with the mystery. Let us be okay with not having all of the details, but having faith in what your word tells us. And we know that we can trust your word. We can trust what you say. And so I pray today that that, that resurrection life that you call us to live in this and the next, God, would, would have deeper significance and meaning to us from this day on. As, as our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, I want to give opportunity for uh, people to respond this morning to the gospel. And we read it earlier. I pass this on to you, what is most important and what has been passed on to me also. Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. And again, I don't take for granted that everyone in this room has the revelation or the understanding or the belief that that is the truth. But perhaps today, you have come to a place where you feel to acknowledge that this is the truth and to personalize the gift of salvation. That Jesus died for your sins and that he rose for your life. And all you need to do is accept that in faith and allow him to work in your life. Don't worry about what you've come with. Don't worry about the mess that your life may be. Don't worry about the addictions you might have. Don't worry about all those different things. I know sometimes we think, oh, when I clean myself up, then, I, then I'll come to God. It doesn't work like that. You come to him and he cleans you up. So this is not me asking, are you a good person? This is me asking, do you see the need for salvation by Christ Jesus, which you only accept and receive through faith. So if that is you this morning, all I'm going to ask you to do, just as a gesture of what's taking place inside of you, is to raise your hand, just to pop your hand in the air, and then I'm going to pray, pray for you, 
and hopefully connect you with some people after the service. Today you say, I want to respond to the good news of Jesus, to respond to that gift of salvation, that he died for my sins and he rose to life to give me life. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for the glorious gospel that you have entrusted us with. And Lord, we pray that as we give opportunities for others to hear this good news, Lord, that you would do the work, that we would take the pressure off of ourselves and we would just allow you to do what you want to do, the way you want to do it, in the timing you want to do it. We thank you, Lord, for your uh, power at work within your church right now. And we just ask that you would continue to lead people, draw people to yourself by the power of your spirit, that we would see eyes opened to the glory of Jesus. We thank you for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.